Hey there, everyone. Welcome to episode four of the Shelter in Place audio journal. If you're tuning in for the first time, uh, thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, but also know that this is less about uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus, the pandemic, the whole global lockdown, and more really about stories, thoughts, and ideas. And it just seemed like uh, this was a good time now that we're all kind of uh, in a different uh, mindset. We've got extra time at home. Uh, it just seemed like the perfect time to to work on something creative. So in today's episode, we get into some things like, can we create a hand symbol to nullify a previous hand symbol? For example, let's say you show some anger uh, using a certain finger, but then you realize, well, maybe it was your fault after all. Uh, should we have a hand symbol for baseball umpires so that if they act too quickly at the plate without realizing their mistake, they can then go back and retract a call. So without intending for this to happen, a theme emerged for episode four, and that is customs and protocol. As humans, we are presented with strange situations, and because there is no one there to coach us in any particular moment, we find ourselves having to figure something out on our own. We just hope that it works. In the first segment, we get into sending the wrong message with body language. Uh, we then move into how these hand gestures work in professional sports. In the third segment, a student openly tells me that his mother is a witch uh, right in front of the class, and I'll just say there is no appropriate response available for that. Lastly, we head overseas to China for a series of awkward or off-balance situations that unfolded there, and I think they happened because I was maybe playing too hard in basketball against the director of the camp, and then that created some tension. Then I found out uh, the hard way that China may not yet be ready for some of our teaching methods, for example, uh, giving students too much power in their own learning experience. Hope you enjoy the show. Okay, and one more thing about hand gestures. So let's say you're in traffic and you're really angry, everything's going wrong, somebody cuts you off. You know, in that moment, we're a different person than we are five minutes after the moment or 20 minutes after the moment or the next day. But sometimes you realize, oh, whoops, that guy actually did have the right of way and um, I crossed over into his lane without a signal or I didn't see him using my blind spot. So you realize, hey, I flipped the guy off and now I need to take that back. Problem is, there is no hand symbol for that. So there ought to be whoops, like maybe you put your hand up in a, like a little cup, not a cup, like like a half position or something, and it means, um, my bad, I flipped you off, I was in the wrong, uh, please accept my apology. Okay, so speaking of weird hand gestures and uh, things of that sort, um, Remember before I talked about defamiliarization, taking something familiar and making it unfamiliar? Well, like if you've ever watched an umpire at a baseball game, what they do is uh, if you if you were to abstract that and put it in any other context, it wouldn't make any other sense and it would look really ridiculous. Um, not to mention what most comedians and actors do. Um, you know, you take that out of a film and... Uh, and it would look uh, like, who's the crazy guy coming down the street? So some of these things only work in that context. 
But um, the thing that I um, was thinking about recently is um, because I remember being at uh, my nephew's uh, baseball game and uh, there was an ump who made a really bad call at the plate. I mean, it was so bad and it's not like you're in the stands um, like in, in a coliseum where you can hardly see it. You're, you know, you're 10 feet away because it's like at a high school um, in the bleachers. And it was, it was just really bad. Either the guy was out and like was clearly safe or the other way around. So I was thinking... Um, to save face, I mean, he had to just, you know, how they just doubled down on whatever decision they made. Like, yeah, you know, out, you know, and they just, they're so firm about it that there's, they're confident and they hope that their confidence like extends to you. But if it's like such a bad call, there really ought to be like, um, upon further review in my brain, um, I've thought about it for a second. I've had a chance to like collect my thoughts and... Then they do like an X symbol with their forearms. They retract it, and then they do a new symbol. It would never work, but it's fun to think about. I mean, maybe it would work. But um, yeah, because, you know, it takes a while in our brains to assess what's, what just happened. I mean, I saw a dog get hit recently running around the park. I mean, I was running around the park. The dog jumped out into traffic, apparently, and this car hit it. It was really tragic. Um, and it was so tragic that, um, he, the guy was about to run over it a second time and I ran out to make sure that he would just stop moving his car. Well, I had to rerun that in my brain just to see kind of what really happened because maybe I didn't get it right the first time. And when I did review it, I realized the guy was just kind of in a panic and didn't know what to do because 20 people at this intersection were all yelling at him. <laughs> <laughs> and so upon review, things can look uh, differently or different, depending on whether or not that needs an adverb. So there was one story that came to mind when I was finishing up episode three. And uh, it's great how one story kind of reminds you of another story. So there's like an endless loop of these things. But I'll just get right to it. Uh, this one... I guess I'll just call this the Wiccan story because that was the uh, sort of the topic. Uh, this was when I was teaching and I was teaching a speech and debate class and there was a student who, um, super funny guy, there was a lot of real super funny students who would just crack me up on a regular basis and that was nice. Uh, I forgot that I was a teacher sometimes because I wanted to fall out of my seat laughing uh so there was this one guy and he would wear like a biker sort of hell's angels jacket leather with all these spikes on it but he always had like this quirky smile and i knew he was always about to say something funny and so i never knew if he was joking or if i should take him seriously but we got onto a serious topic about religion he happened to mention that his mother uh was a witch and then he paused because uh, there must have been a strange look on my face. And then the whole class, like there's that oxygen coming out of the room feeling. And I said, uh, so you said your mother's a, a witch? He says, yeah, we're Wiccan. And then I, I paused again because I just didn't know what to say. And I said, uh, does that mean you get some kind of a monthly newsletter? <laughs> and maybe it was the way I said it, but 
But everyone just laughed and burst out into laughter hysterically, and I didn't mean to <laughs> diminish what he was saying at all. I just uh, I didn't know what you say when someone tells you that. Like, oh, that's, that's interesting, or um, peace be upon you. I mean, I don't know what the proper phrase is. There's no protocol for certain things, and that's usually what drives me nuts. Um, so... Let's see if we're... Oh, yeah, we're still recording. Um, so about 10 years later, I get, a, I get a note with a single sentence, and it wasn't even a complete sentence, from a former student who happened to be in the room at the time, and he said, does that mean you get the newsletter? And I knew exactly what he was talking about. It was that day in class when the student told me that his mother was a witch. And we'll move on now. Now, there's um, two stories I want to tell you about China and my trip over there in 2018 because these are fresh on my mind still. And also, uh, there's kind of a lesson to be learned here about differences in culture and how we approach uh, people of different backgrounds. So one situation was, it was our, um, this is like I said, two summers ago, I'm teaching at this camp, um, a summer program at a foreign language school owned by the Huawei company, which became interesting after the trip. But it's like a billion-dollar facility, unbelievable. And uh, I think I've mentioned before in Chongqing, a city of anywhere between 20 million and 50 million, depending on whose estimates you're looking at. So here we are, and it's uh, the first day, and the kids are all coming in, and we're trying to you know, we're setting up the camp, blah, 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 lots going on. And uh, I'm getting kind of bored and I'm pretty hyped up. I want to do something. So I'm out there in this state-of-the-art uh, basketball facility. And uh, there's two kind of eligible adults who uh, look like they want to play. Now, one is a college student and he's this tall dude and he's in great shape. And uh, I think he's a US UCLA student who was back in China working at this camp. The other guy's the director, who is his boss. Now, both these guys are younger than me, and uh, we don't have to get into specifics on that, other than I'll just tell you I'm probably a lot older than them, and they may not, may or may not have realized that. I don't know. So, in the first case, I am, uh, let's see, playing the director kind of one-on-one, and I'm realizing... I'm, and I'm trying real hard, and it's kind of a close match. And me, and, and it, what I realized is it kind of created some tension for later on in the camp. Because, um, I don't know, maybe he saw me as being too competitive and not backing off. But heck, I was trying to, you know, maybe it's an American thing. I was trying to win. I don't know, trying to do my best. It was fun in, in any case. And uh, I don't know. I was, uh, but he did, the guy did win and he rightfully won. He's better player, more skills. So then, um, I don't know, not too long after that, I'm still on the court looking for another game. The younger guy is there and he starts, uh, I think we're playing a game of 21 and um, he just starts killing me. And then all of a sudden I make one and then I'm catching up, then I make two. And it was like, 
he was beating me like nine uh, to two or something. Now all of a sudden, I'm catching up, and then I passed him, and then I beat him. And it was kind of shocking to me, and maybe a little bit okay. I mean, he was really okay about it. And then I found out later from a friend who had worked in China for eight years as a teacher. Uh, I found out later because I had to contact him about some other issues that were going on there where I didn't understand power structures and how to approach a people correctly. And he was advising me like um, a boss in China is different than an American boss. They are kind of the be-all, end-all in every situation, and you really need to defer to their authority. Well, so in the case of the uh, the guy who is my director, even though I'm older than him, I still needed to defer more. And uh, maybe I was finding that kind of hard to do uh, because of what the way we do things in this country. But then when I um, was playing the younger guy, now he should have just killed me. And he was killing me, but then he backed off. And then I somehow won. And he was cool with that. And I think there was something going on there too. Like he's a college student. I'm a lot older. And uh, it was it was maybe a thing of respect. So it's funny, during the rest of the camp, I ended up getting along real well with the younger guy because I saw that as being so decent of him. Um, even though, I don't know, I maybe I would have liked a little more competition. I don't know. Uh, but I still saw him as being a respectful person. And then there was tension with me and the, the director for the rest of the camp. So lesson learned. So there's one other story that really sticks out when I uh, think about that trip to China uh, two summers ago, 2018. And that is um, maybe a difference in philosophy or in a way of thinking, uh, definitely between um, Americans and the Chinese. And I think it has a lot to do with, um, I mean, um, I would like to bring more ideas and perspectives into this conversation than just mine, but I'll just tell you my perception of this. And that is, so in 2018, I was reading a lot about startup companies. And one article, I know the number is going to sound ridiculous, but there was supposedly 10,000 startup companies um, getting started every day, every week, every month. It's the article, I think, said every day, and I'm going to have to go back and check that. I just know the number was a lot. Even when you consider that it's a nation of a billion or more people, it's still a big number. But then again, you know, the startup company could be two or three people, and they're just trying to do this one tech app. And, um, and so I was reading a lot about that, and I thought, okay, well, I'm supposed to be teaching this uh, kid's programming language. This is... Um, you know, elementary age, maybe some middle school age kids. And uh, truth be told, I, uh, I had to learn most of this. Um, I mean, it was a simple language. It's called Scratch. And I, had, I basically studied it for a few weeks and then, and then went over there. Uh, but I was trying to teach something larger, uh, which is usually my approach is like, I'm trying to teach a bigger concept than just the content of that class. And so, and I'm pretty sure that that method is not uh, typically um, done in China, in the Chinese school system. It's more skill-oriented. Here is the knowledge for this subject area. I'm going to 
break it down for you. It typically, you know, in Chinese history has not been interactive and based on maybe group or project work. And, you know, as I've mentioned in previous uh, writings, maybe on this uh, program before, I'm really into game-based learning. So when I was teaching this, I, I wanted to kind of empower them. Like, this isn't just this cool language and you can make little games, but I'm teaching you that you can come up with a concept and then whatever you imagine, you can make that render on a computer screen or in any sense. But I also wanted to build this sense of confidence in them because I knew that, hey, maybe someday they're going to want to build something, you know, in business or in some organization. And there may not be a safety net. There may not be any deep structures. A lot of people in our startup communities find out, which is that if you don't make it happen, nobody's going to make it happen for you. You don't, you know, in a big corporation, there's a lot of safety there. But if you try to do it on your own, there isn't that safety. So the first lesson, I remember at this moment, um, you know, it was, um, I felt a little emotional about it, about what I was about to do. And uh, which was, I was going to have them like write a routine uh, that hadn't, that wasn't even on code, wasn't even on their computer, but it was basically, um, I want you to come up with what you want the class to do. Like, I want the person in the back row there, point of then. Your routine is, you know, when I point at you, you take three steps to the left. When I point at you, you raise your arm and you twist. When I point at you, you tap your pencil. When I point at you, you, you know, make the sound of this particular note. And it was supposed to symbolize that when you do this with characters... On, you know, in whatever game you're creating, whatever situation you're trying to create on, on and render it on a computer somewhere, um, there's going to be a routine and you're creating the entire scenario. Well, so I started doing this in front of the class and the kids were not quite, some were giggling, but most were trying to do it perfectly and had very serious looks on their faces. And so they weren't seeing the fun in it maybe and they didn't quite understand the purpose because it was, let's face it, this was a little bit abstract, but I was experimenting, trying to see, you know, will they understand that what they're doing, you know, on their computers is similar to what we're doing physically right now? Well, the director came in, took one look at that, and he was accompanied by a woman who was, uh, I think, a PhD in education and was helping him, you know, with the school and had studied overseas. And they were really just trying to get a lot of pictures of us giving this direct instruction to students so that they could, you know, create more of these schools. So they saw this, and I think they were uh, confused. Um, at least the director was, and this is the guy that I mentioned uh, previously uh, who I had the basketball game against. Well, um, he didn't like it. He just said, uh, this is wrong. This is not what we hired you to do. We want you to be an expert at this programming language. You have three hours. And what he meant was, I'm canceling all your activities for the rest of the day. You're staying in this room, and you're going to create a lesson plan that makes some sense. And, wow, I was a little nervous. Uh, I'm in a foreign country. I'm making some mistakes. I took a gamble. He didn't like it. And now I've got the rest of the afternoon. And I remember getting on social media. I was using my VPN uh, because uh, that's the only way you can really access the outside world, like Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. 
So I contacted my friend, and he. this is when he explained to me what a boss is in China and how that's different than a boss in the United States. And he was saying, you need to defer to this guy. Whatever he wants, you got to do it. And uh, so I was a little nervous, and I was letting the folks back home know that, hey, if I end up in a um, re-education camp or you don't see me for a while, um, I've been disappeared in China. And um, so I did, I just went, right to the absolute basics. I wrote all the notes up on the board, step by step. I did pictures, put it into my slideshow. It's just boom, boom, boom. I tried to leave the fun, the creativity, a lot of that stuff out of it and just let the kids build what they wanted to build. And it worked out okay. And the guy was happy and we kind of left it there. But I did try to pitch to him why I was doing this program, which was to help... um, you know, was to address the issue of the startup companies in China, thinking that, hey, maybe if this, you know, if this method works, that there could be a place for me um, in uh, in the, in one of their tech areas, uh, Shenzhen, having a hard time saying that, um, near, well, in the, um, I guess that's the southern part of China, uh, where they're doing that kind of work, I thought there might be some opportunities. Well, he didn't really see it that way. So... Um, anyway, there's lots of lessons uh, to be learned from that. Um, I definitely learned a lot, and I'm going to have to end that story right there. Thanks, everyone, for listening to my podcast, the Shelter in Place Audio Journal. If you have thoughts, ideas, suggestions, uh, spin-off concepts, please feel free to reach out to me at lee at glidercell.com. You can also check out my website, glidercell.com, and my blog, rightbrainworld.blogspot.com. There's always uh, thoughts, ideas, all kinds of things over there that you might find interesting. And again, thanks for tuning in. I hope to uh, present you with another podcast soon. Take care.